What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Welcome to Business on the Brink, a production from iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. Don your togas and prepare to get crazy, crazy, because this week we are talking about Little Caesars. This family-owned company really found their niche with a baked-in focus on bang for your buck. But in the 90s and early 2000s, things weren't looking so hot and ready for them, and they had to carry out new tactics to gain back their piece of the pie. Find out how on Little Caesars on Business on the Brink. Hey everybody, I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten, and welcome to our Happy Pizza episode. I'm, I'm sure we'll have others. Yeah, I'm sad that we did not think ahead to actually get pizza. Oh, yeah. Because I am now craving pizza. Me too, and some crazy bread, because I, I, I like myself some nice, cheap Little Caesars. Yeah, yeah. So this, uh, this came to us from Tony. He asked it. We cover Little Caesars. And, uh, you know, Little Caesars has a very quaint origin story. Quaint indeed, because Little Caesars started out as Little Caesars Pizza Treat. Aww. It's adorable. And it was founded in Garden City, Michigan in May of 1959. Yes, and the founders of this restaurant were putting a pretty big risk here. I mean, this was like a big all-in at the time. And you had uh, Mike or Michael Illich, and he had previously been a professional baseball player. Ba- baseball, ba- Jonathan. Baseball player. I know you're a geek and not much of a, a sports buff, but elementary school education. All right, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was I was more of a t-ball. So yes, he actually played for the Detroit Tigers, and he would later, uh, spoiler alert, 
by that team. Yes, as well as a hockey team. Uh, but he his baseball career ended early because he had a knee injury and it took him out. That We see that a lot with professional sports players. Sure. And rather than just uh, sit back and, 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 you know, grouse about things, he thought, you know what? We should uh we should open up a restaurant. Me and my my honey bunny of a wife. Yes, uh, I actually love how the official company history of Little Caesar on their website states how the how the store got started. Yeah. So they say, quote, the global chain that Little Caesars is today began with a blind date between Mike Illich and Marion Bayoff that was arranged by Mike's father in 1954. Within just a matter of months, the couple was married. That's pretty amazing. It's adorable. Yeah. So they put in everything they had, which was around about $10,000, into opening up this first restaurant. So if it had failed, it would have been pretty disastrous for the couple. So fortunately, our story does not open and end right here. No. No, that would be a sad episode for you guys. Yeah. And also, I, you'd all wonder, how the heck did you even learn about this place to, <laughs> to cover it? No, instead, uh, they opened up a restaurant which served pizza, but not just pizza. They served other stuff, too. Yes, like chicken, shrimp, and fish. Yes. And pasta at some point. And they boasted 15-minute service. Yes, this was something that they built their brand on very early on. It was uh, known as being fast and affordable. Yes, and it was successful. The first week, they sold 296 pizzas. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty successful Mm -hmm. pretty early on, and it didn't take very long, just a couple of years, before they had an opportunity to open another location. And this meant that they had some decisions to make, right? Yeah, because when, we are, when we're looking at companies that want to expand, they can either put in the capital to open a second store or multiple stores out right. of their own money, or, or they can franchise. Exactly. Yeah, there's usually like one of three options. You open up a brand new location, you choose to franchise a location, or you purchase someone else's store and you turn it it. into yours. So in this case, they went with the franchise, which made incredible business sense, Mm -hmm. right? And this particular franchise opened in Warren, uh, Michigan, and they also saw success through there. Their their franchise owner was also being successful following the same philosophy as the flagship store. Yes. And by 1969... A bunch of other people got on board. They had 50 restaurants. Yeah. So this was a pretty quick growing trend. They even expanded into Canada. So they had uh, some people throwing down their hard-earned loonies for pizza. Yeah. I mean, I would throw down some hard-earned loonies for pizza oh, yeah. if I earned loonies. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we're, we're the buckaroos over here, though. So then... They decided that they wanted to have a better control over their supply chain and better control over the quality of the stuff that they were putting on their pizzas. Which seems like a really good business decision. Yeah. And it might have been for a while. We'll cover later how it has caused some issues going Mm -hmm. forward. But the way they did that was they bought a mushroom farm. Yes. So uh, mushroom, mushroom. Mushroom, mushroom, pizza, pizza, badger, badger. It's a snake. Yeah, Uh, exactly. (laughs) Eventually, that mushroom farm grew into Little Caesar's full-service distribution company. Called Blue Line. Called Blue Line. Mm -hmm. And it did help them manage costs for the campaign, 
Little Caesars was about to put in place. Yeah. It also meant that uh, over time, Blue Line would end up carrying a much wider variety of of stuff than just mushrooms. Uh, but that that um, ends up being part of our story later on, who too. Who needs anything more than mushrooms, John? I, you know, I mean, if someone likes, I don't know, a pepperoni on their pizza, it has been known to happen. Uh, I suppose you're right. Well, this is also right around the time where they made a decision that would also be associated with Little Caesars moving forward, which was that they were switching strictly to a carryout pizza model. So you come in, you pick up your pizza, and you go. There's no delivery. There's no dine-in. This has a few big advantages from a business standpoint. You know, your your operating costs are much lower. And Little Caesars were typically opening up in areas that were known for having lower income households. So by keeping those costs low, they could keep the price of the pizza low and thus be able to serve their communities. Plus, not offering a place for people to sit and eat meant they could have smaller footprints. Mm-hmm. So smaller stores, no wait staff they had to pay, mm-hmm. yeah, smaller yeah. kitchens. Exactly. So and, and again, the, for once, the whole passing those savings on to you was really legit because you know, I don't know if you guys are ever familiar with eating at Little Caesars, but it did not set you back very far. Uh, about like 5 or $7. Yeah, depending on what you wanted. Yeah. In 1979, this is very important, we got the pizza pizza catchphrase. Yes. So uh, I was already a small child at that point, and that is why I will forever associate Little Caesars with pizza pizza. They'd get rid of that catchphrase later and then bring it back, and we'll get into that. Now, this catchphrase was put into place to promote their their new deal, I suppose, which was getting two pizzas for the price of one. Yes, and so you would you would get pizza pizza. You you would pay the the price for one pizza. You get twice as much pizza as you were expecting, which meant that you would get a pizza box so unwieldy that no one could fit it in their car, and everyone hated it. I mean, they didn't hate the two pizzas. They just hated the box. Yeah, that actually is true. The The boxes that they had to hold these pizzas uh, were quickly a reviled <laughs> and, item. And eventually phased out. Mm-hmm. But the campaign was successful. It brought in tons of sales. And by the end of the 70s, they had over 200 restaurants. Yes. And it was sort of the iconic ad campaign. You think of certain uh, restaurant chains and certain ad campaigns just jump to mind. Like with – for me, Wendy's is always going to be where's the beef. Mm-hmm. Like that just became one of those things in the 80s that you heard all the time. And with Burger Little, King is have it your way. Yeah. Uh, Little Caesars is pizza, pizza. And McDonald's is Ronald will come for you in the night. I need my mommy. <laughs> okay. So by 1984, Little Caesars had expanded to 400 locations. And just two years later – that number had doubled up to 800 locations. Golly. And they were hitting $340 million in sales. Yeah. And uh, by 1987, they had infected virus-like all 50 states. We're looking at you too, Hawaii. More, more like penicillin-like. Well, that also means Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, they got all the way up. Well, they had already started going through Canada. It's it's getting through the Pacific that impresses me so darn much. Fair enough. And uh, they started to also uh, make a, a partnership with Kmart, 
so that Little Caesars could have an actual location within Kmart stores. Similar to how you'd see a Subway or a McDonald's in Walmart or the like. Or often you'll see like Starbucks in a lot of different uh, stores as well. Barnes and Nobles and such. In 1987, the Illiches bought the Fox Theater in Detroit, not Mm. to be confused with the Fox Theater in Atlanta. No, but, but equally opulent. The Detroit one is pretty impressive. It is. And they also bought office space right nearby, and they renovated it into the Little Caesars World Headquarters. Yes. They also continued to maintain their original uh, operating location back in in, uh, in Michigan. So the, that would remain open for quite some time. But, uh, well, we'll, we'll, when we get there, we'll... we'll in in the there. meantime, it, back in 1988... They added square pan pizzas to the menu. Pan pan. Pan pan pizza pizza. They would say pan pan in the commercials. I remember when it came out. Yeah. And uh, again, the two for price of one deal, thus the pan pan. And And they also started advertising on the television. Yes, on the television, the way the humans say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wrote it as telly. Right. So then you said the television. But I am not British, so. They were also spending about 5% of their revenue on marketing at this point. And things were going great, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. there was nowhere else to go but up. They had, uh, you know, just started to hit their stratospheric climb, and there there was nothing—nothing was going to stop them now, right? Well, stop them, no— Delay them, yes. Mm. Well, we'll figure out more about what Ariel's alluding to in just a second. But first, let's take a quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. All right. So in 1993, they reached $2 billion in sales. And they had 4,000 locations or so. But... 
they started experiencing losses. Mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, their sales dropped right after they hit their high in 1992 and continued to do so for the next eight years. Yeah. And uh, part of the research that Ariel did when she was looking into this included a, a video created by Company Man. And Company Man uh, ends up suggesting three possible causes for this decline. Yes. One is competition. So there were a lot of different pizza places that were popping up all over the place. Plus frozen pizza, plus other take-home food options like Boston Market. Two, a decrease in marketing because as sales dropped, Little Caesars slowed their marketing down. Mm -hmm. And we'll get a little bit more into that. And then three, franchisor dissatisfaction. And after reading about all this, I I mean, it seems pretty cut and clear that that is what caused their decline. Yeah. So when we're talking about competitors, I mean, there are a lot of different names that pop up, right? There's there's Domino's, Papa John's, Pizza Hut. California uh, Pizza Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen, yeah, which you had both the physical locations and the frozen dinner versions. Uh, DiGiorno, another one where you could go and, and buy it at the store. So there were a lot of different options for pizza at a variety of different prices and availabilities. That made things difficult. Then you had other like counter service type restaurants where all the food's already prepared. You just go in and, and grab whichever ones you want, like Boston Market you, you had mentioned. So that was a big issue. I think that the um, – the marketing thing is a really big one too. A lot of the the uh, criticisms I read around this time said that a big issue was that the marketing firm, almost in a in a need to justify its own existence, kept playing with the marketing message for Little Caesars. Whereas Little Caesars, you know, it had such an identifiable marketing message: this pizza, pizza, low cost, super fast pizza uh, that some of the franchise franchisee owners were saying, why are you messing with this? You're confusing our brand identity. Well, I think part of it was when Little Caesars saw that their sales were declining and they tried a bunch of things prior to really adjusting their marketing, uh, like adding spaghetti to the menu or giant, giant long pizzas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pizza by the foot. Pizza by the foot. Uh, but at, at a certain point, Little Caesar said, well, maybe it's our marketing because they had always had this, as you said, very identifiable but very tongue-in-cheek sort of yeah. campaign model. And so they decided to do an agency review. Mm-hmm. And originally their agency, Cliff Freeman and Partners, was going to play along. And then they said, you know what? No. No. If you want a new agency, we're going to do it. So they got a new agency in and they're the ones who tried to focus on the value and less on the humor. And so th- – Cliff Freeman might have been playing with the marketing message and certainly with things like the the hot and ready pizzas where you don't order and you don't wait for them. You just go in and pick up a pizza and yeah. spaghetti and things like that. We're hit and miss, but then they completely changed gears with a brand new ad company. Yeah. And that was where you started seeing franchise owners saying uh, – we're not seeing any benefit from this. This is we're we're having to spend money to pay into a, a marketing uh, pool. Essentially, there was a percentage that franchise owners had to pay to go into this marketing pool, but they weren't necessarily getting any value back. 
uh, from the marketing, or at least that was their perception. Yeah, I think they had to pay four percent of their sales. Yeah, towards which is advertisement. You know, if you're if you're paying four percent of your revenue, but it turns out like what you're getting back, it does. You don't feel like you're seeing any benefit from that. Maybe you're saying, well, that might work in that market over there, but it's not working in my market. You start to get increasingly frustrated and angry because mm-hmm. it feels like you're having to pay out money for something that is not benefiting you. Uh, but that wasn't the only problem they had. They, no. Like we said, Little Caesars was trying to adopt all these different things that were new and to bring people in, but they were also trying to take things away to save money. So at one point, they had franchisers get rid of their soda fountains. Which to me is crazy because if you look at any, like, any breakdown of how much soda costs to the customer versus how much it costs to supply. It's like one of the highest profit margin things out there. I mean, but if you've got someone who's not eating in store. Yeah, that's true. They may not. So it wasn't that it was necessarily a bad idea, but they kept instituting all these changes and at the franchisor's expense. So they'd have to take out the fountain. They'd have to put the fountain back in. They'd have to start stocking spaghetti. They'd have to stop stocking spaghetti. They'd have to – all of these things that they were having to do to try to meet Little Caesar's demands to make up for what they were losing because their profit margins were already pretty slim. Yeah. When you buy a $5 pizza. And this is is where we see the flip side of that franchise model, right? Because – on on the one hand, you're an independent store owner, but you're also beholden to the overall company, uh, you know, approach. So you only have limited freedom as a, as a franchise owner, and uh, if you don't have control over those decisions, then you are ultimately spending all this money without having a say in how that you know, plays out. And it's your business, so it's super frustrating. Mm. They didn't even have a say in which distributors they used for ingredients. Mm. And so they couldn't even make up their costs by finding some super cheap ingredients. And they didn't even want to. I mean, it was affordable, cheap pizza. It was budget pizza, but it was also decent quality. Right. It wasn't like it was, you know, you, you take a bite and you get food poisoning type you, pizza. You didn't want to sell dollar cafeteria, elementary school cafeteria pizza. Right. Which I do like. I was about to say, I could really go for some cafeteria <laughs> pizza right now. In 99, uh, it was getting so bad that the company essentially had to close 400 stores. So remember when we were talking about how it doubled over that, that like two-year period, they lost those 400 you know, in 99. Which, if they had around 4,000, is not the end of the world, but it is still a really big chunk. Yeah, and, and I mean, that still affects a large number of people, right? Yeah, six to 9,000 people, in fact. Mm-hmm. So then uh, the family, the Illich family, the founders of Little Caesars, created Illich Holdings Incorporated in order to better manage the family's assets. And uh, Christopher, the son of Mike and Marion uh, became the CEO, and Marion was the vice chairwoman at that point. It wasn't enough, though, because by 2000, franchisees were so unhappy that 250 of them filed a lawsuit against Little Caesars. Mm-hmm. And this is where they specifically were saying that uh, that 4% of the uh, sales revenue going into the ad campaigns was objectionable. And they also said that they were they felt like they were being forced to use uh, low quality or subpar ingredients. Yeah. Uh, it's hard when you are business partners with a company 
and you don't feel like you can collaborate. Yeah. Well, the the lawsuit lasted 18 months, mm-hmm. and then Little Caesar settled for a reported $350 million over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, this also resulted in the franchise owners having the opportunity to choose a different uh, uh, provider than Blue Line, the distributor company that we were talking about earlier, the one that essentially was handling all the ingredient uh, distribution Mm -hmm. for these franchise owners. And it also gave them a say in the advertising campaigns. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, yeah, this was the restructuring of the relationship, which is a very polite way of saying – Whoopsie Daisy, we done we done messed up. I don't know. I like Whoopsie da- Daisy, we done messed up a little bit better. I do too, but that's not the right corporate legal way of saying that. Apparently, the settlement did also include sharing some of Blue Line Blue Line's profits with franchisees and forgiving some franchisee debt. Obviously, they they got some of that debt from making all the changes that they were forced to make. Mm, right. So yes, essentially saying. Uh, we realize that we've put you through hardship with these rapid changes, and so here we're going to assume some of that that debt that you've accumulated as a result of of trying to uh, agree to all those changes. By two thousand and one, they were only spending three million dollars on marketing, mm-hmm. which you know for for that company was a, a significant drop. In two thousand two, Kmart filed for bankruptcy, and. So a lot of them closed, which meant a lot of Little Caesars closed. And then beyond that, Kmart started replacing Little Caesars with their own Little K cafes. Yeah. So this was another big blow to Little Caesars overall. But while this marked kind of a low point, according to you, Ariel, this is where Little Caesars was about to get... Better, better. Sorry. Better, better. Okay. We'll talk more about that after the break. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's The Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> awesome. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Okay, so Ariel, you mentioned that Little Caesars was poised to get better, better. How did that happen? Well, first they got rid of their new ad agency. No, oh, the one that was messing things up and getting rid of all the humor. And <laughs> Again, I don't think focusing on value was a bad idea. Yeah. But... The, the method of messaging, the actual, like, the, the fact that it lost a lot of the personality that had set Little Caesars aside is probably what a lot of people point toward. Yeah, you never ha- you you don't have that brand recognition anymore. And by 2011, they had increased their marketing budget back up to a little over 20 million dollars. Right. Now, before we get to 2011, there's still a lot of stuff we got to talk about in the early 2000s. Yes. 
So in 2002, for example, they introduced a deep dish pizza for $8. Deep, deep. Uh, so deep that it echoes. <laughs> so deep they deeped it twice. Yeah. That, that's that's nope. okay. Nope. I take it back. Keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> so then we get the hot and ready pizzas where you could get a one topping hot and ready instead of just a cheese pizza, um, where again, it's $5 type thing. And this this is one of those things that, I, like, by this point, I was no longer eating Little Caesars. I had mm-hmm. moved on in my life. So I never really had the hot and ready type experience where you just walk in and I guess they had specific ones like these are the pepperoni pizzas, these are the cheese pizzas, and you would yeah. just grab one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can – before you could order your pizza and you could go pick it up. You could still do that. But now you had the option to just – I just want a pepperoni pizza. Walk in. It's guaranteed to be there. And, you know, I say – I've been saying all along $5 pizzas. I, their pizzas vary in price, but these specific one-topping hot and ready pizzas were 5 bucks. Gotcha. And it actually has caused a little bit of consternation more recently, but we'll get into that. Okay. But now they're back to what Little Caesars is known for, affordable value pizza. Right. And they also decided to simplify. They moved to a one-size for uh, their classic pizzas, a one size for their deep dish pizzas. So they didn't offer them in different sizes now. It was, this is what it is. Yeah. You come in, this is the size that that, that you're going to be dealing with. You're going to get an extra large whether you like it or not. At one point, they actually did increase their pizza size to be four inches larger than the standard pizza size. Right. So a small would be four inches larger than a regular small. Their medium is four inches larger than a regular medium, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, all of these positive steps back in the right direction meant that between 2008 and 2015, they were the fastest growing pizza chain in the U.S. based on net number of stores added per year. Mm -hmm. And uh, Detroit gave Mike and Marion the key to the city. They did because Mike and Marion have really been focused on helping better Detroit where they're based out of. There's actually, if you ever really do a search on the Illich family, uh, there are an incredible number of of amazing stories of their support of Detroit. Uh, and a lot of it was stuff that Mike Illich, when he was still alive, that he was very quietly doing. He never sought any publicity for it. Uh, I'll, I'll include a little story about that at the end when we get to our fun facts. Yes. But yeah, so this is uh, at the point in 2009, they were back up to $1.2 billion in sales. Things had really turned around and become, you know, again, a positive direction for the company. Yes. We also got a new ad agency, Barton F. Graff, who brought back the Pizza Pizza slogan. Yeah. So thank goodness. As a part of a national ad campaign. Order has been restored. I know. I I don't know. I don't know how I could have survived if they didn't bring it back. Yeah, or how Little Caesars could have. Yeah, so they also uh, ended up creating easier ways to become a a franchise owner so that it it could encourage more people to open stores. You know, they had faced so many store closings over the recent past. Now they were looking at ways to be able to grow and to make that uh, as smooth a a process as possible. Kind of like a career path up to franchisee. Mm-hmm. In 2014, they opened a new headquarters in Detroit, mm-hmm. doubled the space with the hope of bringing 600 jobs to the area. Yep. And uh, in 2016, they once again regained their position of third largest pizza chain in the world. They had been third largest a couple times in the past, but then had started to slip during those rough years. They 
regained that title. And by 2017, they had more than 5,000 locations in more than 18 countries. Uh, they also uh, opened up the Little Caesars Arena, which I, I originally uh, imagined as a sort of gladiatorial combat arena where pizzas fight it out for a supremacy. They might. I mean, it is a multi-purpose arena. So yeah, that, that could be one of the many purposes. It could be. Uh, 2017 also is tragically when Mike Illich uh, passed away and Marion wa- became the sole owner of the company. Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, in two th- it's something else sad. In 2018, the original Little Caesars location closed. Yep. Yeah, it, uh, there was a whole news item. I watched the little news report about it, and the reporters uh, were actually standing outside holding boxes Aww. of Little Caesars and talking about it. There was another news item about Little Caesars that year. Yeah, this one's this one's a little contentious. It is. So there was a franchiser in Kansas City. Yeah, a guy from Utah who owned a whole bunch of different uh, shops in Kansas City. I think all of the Little Caesars in Kansas City he owned. Yeah. And he wanted to pay... F- he wanted people to pay five ninety nine for their hot and ready pizzas, but Little Caesars had launched this five dollar national campaign. National campaign, yeah. Well, that was supposed to be across all Little Caesars locations. And so there was back and forth. They once asked him to bring it down to five dollars. He did. He went back up to five ninety nine, saying he couldn't make a profit in Kansas City at five dollars. Yeah, he said essentially that if he was pay if he was selling these for five dollars a pizza, that he was going to be operating either at a loss or just you know, flatline. And at one point, he even started keeping his royalty checks that he owed them to make up that money. So a whole bunch of battle, his Little Caesars closed down. All of them. All of them. Every single Little Caesars in Kansas City, which was 21 locations at that point. So Kansas City from that point went without. They were Caesarless. Yeah. I know that's only funny to me. But in 2018, we got reserve and ready pizzas. Yes, where you can actually use an app, right? And you select the kind of pizza you want. You put it in your app, and it's ready to go at the Little Caesars location you're heading to, and you get a code. You do. So they put it in like a little like Amazon locker type. Yeah, it's like it's hot like box. Part yeah, I was about to say part heating heating oven, part safe. And you put in your code, and you get your pizza. I think that this means that you can get something more than just a pepperoni pizza. Like you can order something specific and that since they know which box you're going to be going toward, they can just load that into there. What it tells me is that if you're very determined and very fast and you can get through uh, a thousand different number of combinations very quickly, you can snag someone's pizza. You're – <laughs> I, it's a $5 pizza. Come on, just get your own. Uh, the, well, if listen, you're getting more I'm, than one topping, it's more than $5. I'm always but. looking for the perfect heist here, Ariel. All right. Well, I'm going <laughs> to – I don't know what to say to that. Okay. Uh, you can technically get Little Caesars delivered. Mm-hmm. Not through Little Caesars, but some third-party services like DoorDash, whatnot. Sure. We'll deliver it to you. Yeah. It's not something Little Caesars seeks out or sets up, but it is available in some places. Little Caesars recently did something I think is pretty crazy. What's that? They made a bet on the NCAA. Mm -hmm. There was like a number one seat and a number 15 seat, and they bet on the underdog. Mm -hmm. And they said that anyone who had bet on that team, if that underdog won, would get a free pizza. And then the team won. Okay. Yeah. So everybody got a whole – everybody – a whole bunch of people got free lunch. Nice. Nice. Yeah, not a – not a bad way to drum up some uh, marketing, you know, and mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure that while the 
the free pizzas, well, the free to the the people who made the bets, not free to mm-hmm. Little Caesars. They might have taken a little bit out of the bottom line, but I mean, that's that's a marketing cost. And they were spending $176 million on marketing that year. Yeah, there's no way it was $176 million worth of pizza. No. Yeah. So then the ad agency that they had been using closed down, right? Yes. Spartan Graph closed its doors after 10 years. And I didn't hear which ad agency got the position after them. I don't know if they've selected one. They might still be in that selection process. Yes. And uh, they have recently started to experiment using the Impossible Meat product, which mm-hmm. we've seen you know, in a lot of other places like, like Burger King. Yes, but they're, they're experimenting with a first in Impossible Foods, Impossible Meat, which is with Impossible Sausage. Yeah, and this is because, as it turns out, uh, sausage is a more popular pizza topping for Little Caesars than, say, hamburger. Which is what Impossible Foods was originally going to give to them is just, I guess, ground up Impossible Burger. Yeah. But now they've made Impossible Sausage. Well, at least 50 prototypes that they're testing. Yes. So this is not something that you can just go out and order at your local Little Caesars. It may or, it may or may not end up in a few test markets. Although, to be honest, to see how enthusiastically the products have been received in other places – I would not be surprised to see this kind of take off as well. I mean, they really want to – most of their audience is carnivore. Mm-hmm. Most of Little Caesars' audience, uh, consumer base is carnivorous. And so they still want to appeal to those people as well. So here's – we're in the fun facts section. And I'm going to tell you my fun fact. All right. Because it's not in this list uh, from what I can see. And it really, I think, is phenomenal. So – And there's a lot of fun facts. We can't go through all of them. I might post some on Facebook. All right. So Mike Illich um, heard that Rosa Parks, the uh, famous in civil rights, she had been uh, robbed and and attacked in her Detroit home. And so uh, there were local community leaders who were looking to try and and help her because, I mean, she was in her 80s at that point. Mm And Mike Illich quietly, with no publicity whatsoever, paid her rent for the rest of her life. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, then my favorite fun fact, which can't live up to that one, but is still pretty cool, is the fact that Little Caesars has a homeless outreach called Little Caesars Love Kitchen. It's basically a giant pizza truck that gives pizza to the homeless and also people who are victims of disaster. Yeah. And in fact, uh, the company has been the recipient of many presidential awards for this this particular work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, you know, I, before I read your notes on this, before I did some research of my own, before I looked into all this, I always just associated Little Caesars with cheap pizza. That was just it. Same. Cheap pizza and a cute marketing campaign that I remember from my childhood. And I, I don't remember it – like I never thought of it as being bad pizza. It never occurred – thought – that never really was how I associated it. But I did think of it as cheap, cheap pizza. pizza. I never knew about the outreach the company had for its community. And uh, and I think that's a real shame yeah. because to me, like, that's an incredible story that a company that has built itself on uh, marketing value pizza, particularly to people who otherwise would find it difficult to, you know, purchase something like that, and then turning around and using some of that money to help those very same people, it's a, that's a great story. It is. It, it is a bit of a shame that it's not more well-known, but I also kind of like the fact that the Illich's 
haven't tooted their own horn about it. Right. They're not they're clearly not doing it to seek publicity. Yeah, they're not they, doing it as a business move to get yeah, more business. Right. So in, in that respect I agree. It's it's you know a noble undertaking. Uh, it's just one that, like, if I had known about it, I probably would have been like, dude, you know, uh, uh, let's get Little Caesars. <laughs> I mean, if you want to spend a week on a treadmill, you could still get a cheese pizza. Yeah, I, it's not like in my diet plan a month, anymore. a month on a treadmill. Oof. Just get a treadmill desk. Well, we, we need to go and get pizza. Yep. So in order for us to do that, we have to And I'll just eat up. it in front of Jonathan. Yep, I'll just, I'll, I'll smell it and... <laughs> And cry. <laughs> so, Ariel, if people want to reach out and suggest a company that we should cover on Business on the Brink, how do they do it? Well, they do it by emailing us, and that email is feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. Yep, and you can visit our website. That's thebrinkpodcast.show. You'll find an archive of all our, our past episodes. You'll find more info about your beloved hosts. And until next time, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I have been Ariel Caston. Business on the Brink is a production of iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.